Good morning. This is a day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Good to have you here this morning. And I wanted to be, if I could, the very first one to wish you a merry, hollow thanksmas. <laughs> you know, Halloween was just a blink. And as Pastor Derek was just talking about, this is Thanksgiving week. Thanksgiving's almost here. And yet I see Christmas lights up all over town. In fact, as I drove here this morning, on the corner of River Drive in Ellendale, there's an inflated Santa Claus, and diagonally across the street, there's a big old lit-up turkey, and I'm afraid there's going to be a warfare right on the corner of my own street. I can't go into a store, I don't know about you, or even watch TV without seeing Christmas lights, trees, decorations, you name it, all over the place. And it just seems to push further and further and further out into this whole area around the end of the year. Now, is this just, I see some nodding heads. Is this just me, or do these holidays at the end of the year seem to be all smashed together from your perspective, too? We can sort of control that a little bit if we really want. This is Thanksgiving week. So how about if we just focus in on that holiday this morning? And in order to get you into the proper frame of mind, yes, it's the first service, but hey, I have prepared a Faith Church Thanksgiving pop quiz just for you. Ready? Yeah, great. <laughs> okay, how many of you really like turkey? Let me see your hands. Good. How many not so much? Yeah, very good. A whole, a whole back row back there almost. <laughs> how many of you go for the white meat? Let me see your hands. How many dark meat fans do we have? About, about evenly divided. Mashed potatoes? Sweet potatoes. <laughs> How many cranberry fans do we have here today? Cranberry? Okay, now here's where, we, here's where it gets right down to the rub. Gel or relish crushed? Gel? Got relish? I tell you, very interesting. Now, how many of you must have pumpkin pie as part of your Thanksgiving? Okay, how many of you would rather have anything else other than, wow, than pumpkin pie? Okay, well, that was amazing. Did you see how easy it was to divide the house over something just as simple as Thanksgiving dinner choices? Yeah, how about gravy? We'll leave that for another time. If you have some issues with gravy, be sure to talk to Neil over here. He's, he's volunteered to talk to you today. So how many of you are staying close to home for Thanksgiving? And how many of you are maybe traveling? Yep, Diane and I are getting on the road on Wednesday, and we have a seven-hour drive ahead of us going down to Northern California to really enjoy some of our family members as we love to do at this time of the year. You know, Thanksgiving itself could easily divide this morning too, could divide us, Thanksgiving, the whole idea. How? Well, some of you, you know, are really looking forward to a family gathering full of love and laughter where everyone is really glad to see each other just like we see here in this very classic Norman Rockwell painting. As others of you, if we were honest with one another, are filled with anxiety at the thought of how unpleasant the experience could be when your family members who aren't getting along very well or even flat out don't like each other get together on Thanksgiving. You know, we are looking at some mixed feelings this morning right here in this sanctuary. We have a regularly scheduled congregational meeting coming up after the second service, as you heard. 
to adopt our church budget for the coming year, to vote on electing one of our elders for a new term. And at the same time, as a church family, we are experiencing what happens in any group of people who may or may not agree on everything from time to time. And believe it or not, this may come as a surprise to you, this has even been happening in God's family from the very beginning. Let me tell you a true story. Years ago, my son Brian, when he was a teenager, often bemoaned the fact that he was born now. And he just really wished that he could have been born what seemed to him to be the exciting days of the early church. And I used to think to myself, doesn't he remember what Jesus' disciples were like back when they were following him? First of all, they never knew what was going on half the time. And secondly, they argued with each other and angled for influence right while they were with the Savior himself. And then one of them betrayed him. And another one even cursed him within his viewing before he went to the cross. After Jesus' resurrection and ascension back to heaven, Peter, the leader of the Jerusalem church at that time, and Paul, who was the leader of the new Christian church up in Antioch, where there were a lot of people who did not have a Jewish background, initially disagreed on what people had to do or not do just to be a part of the church. And virtually everywhere Paul went, it didn't go well for him. And new believers in Jesus Christ came over a lot of pressure, if not outright persecution, even among themselves. Well, that was a time back there with my teenage son, Brian, when Promise Keepers was really growing strong. And Brian invited me to go with him to a Promise Keepers event in the Oakland Coliseum. I will never forget the experience of being with 50,000 men, praising God in song together, asking forgiveness from one another, seeking racial reconciliation with one another, and streaming on to the playing field to rededicate their lives to serving God as godly men. And even, shock, surrendering their own preferences in obedience to God. In the middle of that event, I'll never forget it, Brian turned to me. He had tears streaming down his face. And he said, you know, Dad, I'm really glad that I'm alive right now so I can be a part of what God is doing right here, right now. God's church has always had difficulties, and God has always prevailed in order to see his kingdom purposes fulfilled. Can I have an amen for that? Amen. Diane and I can tell you stories of churches where we've been and how people have not behaved well. But I cannot tell you how true it is that God has always and will always prevail in order to see his kingdom purposes fulfilled. It's no different today. And if this wasn't true, none of us would be in church today. There would be no church at all. So remember, we always have an opportunity to be reminded, to learn from and apply what is needful in every situation, even when we gather after church today. The message God's Holy Spirit clearly put on my heart for you and for me this morning is this. Today is an opportunity to continue on our individual and collective journey of becoming more like Christ 
Well, yeah, sure. But how do you do that? By doing what Jesus did, as opposed to kind of doing what we often choose to do. Okay, you might ask, how do I do that? Well, where do we get our guidelines from? Whoever, whatever anybody's personal opinion is or preference might be, where do our guidelines come from? That's a fair question because if there's not some objectivity here, uh, we have as many opinions as are in the room, plus what will be coming for the next service. A good place to start, I think, is just to take a look at and be reminded at our Faith Church Statement of Faith. And if you ever wonder where that is, you can just go to faithchurchdallas.org slash, what does it say? Beliefs. Beliefs. And you can go check it out. This is in step with the larger group of churches that we're a part of called the Evangelical Free Church of America. But we have adopted that perspective on all things having to do with being a church family right there. Check that out. We're going to look at a couple of things from that today. Here's what we believe about the Bible. We believe that God has spoken in the scriptures, both Old and New Testaments, through the words of human authors. As the verbally inspired word of God, the Bible is without error in the original writings. The complete revelation of his will for salvation. Now, what does it say next? Read it with me. And the ultimate authority by which every realm of human knowledge and endeavor should be judged. What's the ultimate authority? Very good. That was a test, so we can continue. The Bible, God's Word, is the ultimate authority. And would you also read out this last part together with me as well? Therefore, it is to be believed in all that it teaches, believed that obeyed in all that it requires, and trusted in all that it promises. Three big words you might jot down if you haven't already. When it comes to the Bible, it can be believed, it can be obeyed, it can be trusted. So, where do our guidelines come from? Our guidelines come from no place else than God's Word, the Bible. This fabulous book, the history of which is amazing if you ever dig into it. This is where we go. You know, we are called a free church in our name and our denomination because there was a time in another part of the world where the government told everybody what they had to believe and what church they needed to belong to. And after a while, people, as they began to learn to read and they got scriptures in their own language, they started to open them up and read what was in there, which was forbidden, by the way. Only the trained clergy was supposed to do that. And they began to see what God's promises really were like and how they were called to live with one another. And it transformed everything about them. And that's why we're here today. They were free to learn from God's word. And even when things would be disagreeable, they'd look at each other and say, well, that's an interesting perspective. Can you show me where it is written? That was the phrase. And they were derogatorily called readers. May we be readers today of this amazing opportunity that we have, which is God's Word, the Bible. So what do we believe as we continue on with one other area of our statement of faith? What do we believe about Christian living, 
We believe that God's justifying grace must not be separated from his sanctifying power and purpose. The two must go together. Grace has to be there, but it's God's power and purpose. And then let's read this part out loud together. Would you join me? Nice and loud. It's 9 o'clock, I know. Let's read this together. God commands us to love him supremely and others sacrificially and to live out our faith with care for one another. You'd do well to put that on a post-it note, stick it on the mirror, put it on the refrigerator at home just as a little reminder. It's really important for us whenever we come to time so we're not kind of all in agreement or standing in the same place to apply an objective standard in our lives together, not a subjective preference. I actually briefly considered, until Diane talked me out of it, using a different title for my message today. This is it. Scripture's best left unread. I often joke about writing a book. And when you get to all these tough ones that say, I don't want to do that, or that probably should be for someone else, I would just move them over into my little book. Scripture's best left unread. Because then, that way, I could at least claim ignorance about what the Bible tells me to do. The Bible even commands me to do. I think today's passage kind of falls into that category. You can turn to Colossians chapter 3, beginning with verse 12, or you can follow along with me on the screen. It comes as a surprise to some people that the Bible was not written in English. In fact, several different languages were used. Not everything translates smoothly into English, so I find it helpful to look at several translations when I am reading from Scripture for myself. I'm using the New Living Translation today. Verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people whom he loves, you can decide if you want to. You can think about it, pray about it, get back to it. You can delay it for another time. You must clothe yourselves with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. You must make allowance for each other's faults and forgive the person who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. When it comes to forgiveness, the only ceiling that you have to worry about hitting your head on is bumping up against how much God has forgiven you. Till you get up to that ceiling, you still got a lot of room to forgive other people. And the most important piece of clothing that you must wear is love. Love is what binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts, for as members of one body, you are all called to peace. To live in peace and always be thankful. Let the words of Christ, in all their richness, live in your hearts and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. And just as we have been doing, sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And would you join with me now in reading this last verse, verse 17? I think it's the key verse of this passage. 
Let's do this out loud one more time. Ready? And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him to God the Father. Would you just bow your head and pray with me for a moment? God, thank you for this reminder today from your word that refocusing is always helpful. That yes, we do have personal preferences and we have experiences and things we like and dislike, things that feel good and things that don't. But you are the ultimate authority and your word is where we get our guidance for life. May we be empowered by the presence of your Holy Spirit to go beyond what we could ever do to continue on our journey of becoming more like you. When you think about Colossians chapter 3 and that list, wow, that's quite a list of how we are to behave with each other, isn't it? So everybody check off each one of those and go, yep, no problem, 100%. It's going great. So remember, God's word, the Bible, is not for those guys or not for you over there. It is for all people at all times that call themselves Christians or Christ followers. Let's take a quick look at a couple of helpful reminders when it comes to living together in a Christian community like Faith Church. The first one is this. Becoming more like Christ involves who you are, not just what you do. It's fundamental in Scripture that what we do is meant to flow out of the character of who God has made us to be and the Holy Spirit that he's placed within us. It's always important to keep these two things in proper perspective. What we do as Christ followers always flows from who we are in Christ first, not the other way around. In a nutshell, how can we boil down what is not only expected but required of us as Christ followers? Well, first of all, you and I are called upon to become like Christ. We are Christians after all, right? Look at just one of the behavioral expectations that the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ has laid down for us in the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. And look what Jesus says in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, verse 25. But when you are praying, first, forgive anyone you're holding a grudge against, so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. How many of you remember these initials? WWJD. How many remember these? Okay, it's a test. What do they stand for? What would, what would Jesus do? Absolutely. But you and I are called beyond knowing what Jesus would do. The initials that apply to us this morning are DWJD. And that stands for do what Jesus did. Not just what would he do. Do what Jesus did. We've seen one helpful reminder when it comes to becoming more like Christ, living together in a Christian community like Faith Church. That first one was who you are, not just what you do, is important. The second one, especially for today, is 
how you speak, not only what you say. It is absolutely true that as Christians here at Faith Church and in our community, we must and will be known by our love. <clears throat> in the Gospel of John, chapter 14, Jesus says this in verses 21 and 23. Those who obey my commands are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them. All those who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them <clears throat> and we will come to them and live with them. We'll do what I say. Your challenge and mine this morning is to demonstrate our love for the Lord Jesus Christ and for one another by learning to disagree agreeably. It is inevitable that we will have times of clash and conflict and disagreement. How we behave ourselves, how we act with one another shows where we are in our relationship with becoming more and more like Christ. Agreeing disagreeably and learning how to do that is one of the greatest skills that we can learn going forward from what we are experiencing right now as a church family. <clears throat> In the letter to the Hebrews, chapter 12, verses 14 and 15, the Bible says this, Try to live in peace with everyone and seek to live a clean and holy life, for those who are not holy will not see the Lord. Look after each other so that none of you will miss out on the special favor of God. Watch out that no bitter root of unbelief rises up among you, for whenever it springs up, many are corrupted by its poison. And similarly, in the letter to the Ephesians, we find echoes of our Colossians text in verses 29, 31, and 32 of Ephesians. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all types of malicious behavior. Instead, be kind to each other, tender-hearted, forgiving, one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. You and I have a choice ahead for this day and for the future. And I want you to encourage yourself to choose to pray. Pray for the power and the presence of God's Holy Spirit in this place. And I want to encourage you to choose to stay. The easy thing would be to take off, not be here this afternoon, or avoid a difficult thing, or not really confront lovingly a conflict. But in the midst of staying, choose to be godly and biblical, not worldly and individual according to personal preference. And last but not least, what to say. Say the helpful things the Holy Spirit puts in your heart ensuring that everything is empowered by God's love from above. Let's read the key verse once more from my text for today. 
Would you read this with me nice and loud? And whatever you do or say, let it be as a representative of the Lord Jesus, all the while giving thanks through him to God the Father. So here's my question for you. Are you willing to pray God's presence, to stay and be a part of who we are as a fellowship, and to say those things that God gives you according to his Holy Spirit, according to what we have learned from God's word, the Bible today. If that is true, would you say, yes, I will. Yes, yes I will. I will.